What's up, guys? It is the Bober and Hanley Pro Football Podcast, and it is the Super Bowl edition, which is going to be a lot of fun because with the former pro, Chris Bober, and the radio guy, myself, Nick Handley, uh, we're going to be joined by some other former pros, uh, Bober's boys as well, and, and if anybody who's familiar with the AM590 ESPN radio show and the last, gosh, what is it, Chris, probably the last six years we've done the Super Bowl roundtable, and with COVID, unfortunately, we're unable to get together at a bar and and to talk about the big game. So we're going to do this whole uh, Zoom thing virtually. So in our final half hour of the show, we're going to be joined by two-time Super Bowl champ Dave Tolleson, former Minnesota Viking Kenny Anatolu, and, of course, Chris, who's been with me the entire time, also being a part of a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is how we got to pull this thing off. Yeah, you just got to do what you got to do. I know um, it was it's kind of crazy with the Chiefs being down there and um, everything that goes with the Super Bowl. I got a lot of guys like me would – would head down to the Super Bowl, even if they don't go to the game. Um, a lot of players go to the the parties and they have health screenings. They have union meetings. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of things for players to do, but they're doing none of that. And the only thing we've done is like virtual stuff. We've had virtual conferences, which isn't nearly the same. Um, I would have really liked to have been down there just because the Super Bowl I played in was in Tampa. And yeah. um, my daughter's dance team is scheduled to be at the Nationals this week. So I could have went down there and kind of stayed over there in Orlando and just drove over for some activities. But now we just got to watch it all on TV and hope, um, you know, from the chief's perspective, hope we get the same result. So they can't sneak you in. I mean, come on, Kansas city alum. You, you already got, you already got family business out there. I figure like all they got to do is stick a shot in your arm. You should be good to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not nearly high enough on the totem pole <laughs> to, to have any sort of access, but honestly, no one really is there. There's a yeah. lot of the, all the players I know, no one's going down there. So it's it's just it's a virtual event this year for us. I see. You got the you got the the basement, the man cave ready for the Super Bowl, though. It looks like it, this this looks a lot different than what we have uh, been seeing all throughout mm-hmm. the year. Yeah, just um, my, the wife said that if if I came down and helped her paint and get it all set up, we can get a big TV. So that's what I got. That's where I'm going to watch the nice. game uh, this Sunday, and I'm sure I'll be spending a lot more time down here. But um, it's nice to have have somewhere to go just to, to watch some TV and watch the game. I figured since we're typically doing this at our other <laughs> Super Bowl round table, I got a, I got a beer. I'm going to be doing that in the bears. You know, one can wish someday. Maybe I'll be, <laughs> I'll be saying, Hey, this team's going to be playing in it. You know, I, probably not, but you know, th- th- you, you kind of mentioned something that I, I do feel is probably not, it probably doesn't weigh on a lot of the, the the football fans' minds for this game, whether you're a Chiefs, Bucks fan, or just someone who's looking forward to watching a good football game. Is and you've been through this, and, and we'll talk with Dave a little bit later too, because he's been through it a few times. That that build up, and I know we taught we touched on it on our last podcast, and that <coughs> is the distractions that come with Super Bowl week. And you know, it always starts with that real bizarre media day. And I know you, there was a, an article about you uh, as far as kind of being like the, the guy that was just hanging out in the stands or whatever, but like all of those different things, starting with that and I'm sure ticket demands and, you know, interview requests and still trying to prepare for the biggest game of your life. It's, it's hard for me not to think that, with the COVID restrictions and with the, the time that these teams are actually arriving, even though Tampa Bay, you know, it's in their home stadium, it's got to be an easier opportunity or at least a better opportunity to get ready for this game and not worry about the things that you typically would on Super Bowl week. Yeah, um, I think there's an advantage to really not having to be down there for that. I know that when, when I played in it, um, you know, we, we really got most of our physical work and our game planning and stuff done the week that we were at home. Then on the, the Sunday before we went down there and we'd practice, but there's a lot of distractions. I mean, I think we practice at the Bucks facility and, and there's planes flying over and crowds everywhere. You got to take a bus and get escorted everywhere. And then you go back to your hotel and your family's down there, your agents down there. Um, there is a lot of distractions. So I think, actually, I think the chiefs might have an advantage being at home. They're really, really separated from that. Um, the only difference is they got to take a plane ride to get there. Other than that, it's very, very, it's very weird to, to have yeah. the non hoopla for the Super Bowl. And <clears throat> while we're going to get probably more of a game type atmosphere with like a regular season or a playoff type game, um, maybe some of these players are missing out on just that experience, you know, of what it's like to, to have the whole world descend on this game. Yeah. It's not going to happen this year. 
Well, and I'm sure as much as it's a distraction and it's probably kind of a healthy distraction, but as you kind of pointed out, it is kind of a memory though, too. I'm sure at the time you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're getting pulled in so many different directions. I got a freaking football game to play, but I would assume you, you kind of look back on it and you kind of embrace the chaos of it. You probably say, man, that was pretty cool. There was a lot of distractions, but it was kind of cool. So, you know, you, you mentioned they miss out on that because there's so many different things going on, but I mean, I got to assume that's part of the experience. It's probably one of the more, you know, part of the, the, the memories that you have with that whole experience. It is. It is. I was looking through some, as we clean this basement out, I was looking through a bunch of old like tapes and stuff. And, you know, I'm really dating myself when, you know, when I went to the Super Bowl, we had flip phones and so many people descended on Tampa that the cell phone coverage stopped working. You know, it was such, so such a <laughs> technology. And also at the same time, I had a little video camera and I have just tapes. I got to figure out because they go, the, the little tapes that go into a VHS yeah. tape, then you play them. So <laughs> I, I got to figure out how you can walk. Cause it's like Super Bowl. Um, we went on, I mean, there's celebrities everywhere. We went on this big yacht, all kinds yeah. of party kind of stuff. So it definitely was an experience that these guys probably aren't going to have, but you know, I, I think more than that, the, the, the game is going to be more of a, more of the focus this year than ever. But every time I was at the Super Bowl, I couldn't believe it that even though it was just flip phones, everyone was on their phone. So it, it, the game at the Super Bowl is a very different atmosphere. That, that's why I love the championship games because they're football based. Um, the Super Bowl is a lot of celebrities, a lot of, you know, it's all about the halftime show and stuff like that. So this year, I mean, they'll just roll right into it and play football. Well, in the historical part of it, as we've seen and it's been talked about, is we've never had a, a host city that team actually make the Super Bowl like Tampa Bay, yet it's not going to have the same kind of effect as it normally would. And, and I know the Vikings a few years back when U.S. Bank Stadium hosted it, they were a pretty good team and people thought, well, they could make it. And they came just short of making the Super Bowl. That would have been unbelievable. That would have been uh, a ridiculously like amazing atmosphere for the Minnesota Vikings mm -hmm. and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They do have the luxury of being at home, sleeping in their own beds, and that's great. But as far as any type of home crowd advantage, they're, that really doesn't exist in this game, given the fact that there's going to be 22,000. And a lot of these folks that are going to be there, uh, a lot of medical professionals, a lot of uh, some of our frontline medical workers that are vaccinated. Uh, and then, of course, you get a lot of the more of the business crowd, more of the kind of the corporate world that will be allowed in but are paying premium dollar. It's not like, you, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to be having to use all kinds of hand signals and having communication issues because the home Tampa Bay crowd is all all on top of them. And you would have had that anyway, just because the tickets are evenly divided. You know, it's not really for local people, but you would have probably more of a home field advantage in the city, whether it's, you know, the flags up everywhere, people at outside the stadium for the experience. Those would have been all Tampa people where I, I don't think they're going to let any of them anywhere near that place this year. So yeah. it's going to be very much a neutral site and, and they won't even let them shoot the cannons after. Right. And I imagine you're going to see a lot of Buccaneer stuff covered up. Right. It's going to remind me of this year when, when um, Elkhorn High had to play the state championship game at home. Right. They covered up all their stuff. They didn't get to do introductions. They didn't, it, they make it as neutral as possible. Right. We had video introductions and stuff for Elkhorn, but because yeah. Norris or um, <clears throat> Aurora didn't have those, they, we didn't get to do them. So they're going to neutralize it as much as possible in, in the effort to make it as competitive as possible. Um, but I think just all the circumstances, it's, it's going to be a different experience, but sitting at home, I don't think we're going to know the difference. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. I, I feel like in, in we've spent this entire season, Bober talking about, boy, which team is, is battling COVID uh, related challenges right now. And Gosh, we're going to be talking. You know, you and I are like, well, we got to we got to delay our our podcast because there's a, a Wednesday matinee game. I mean, it's been weird. I mean, it's been up and down. But I think when you and I started this thing, we knew the NFL would give it its best effort to get this thing uh, played as scheduled to keep everything on track as much as they can. And in the process, we've seen a lot of twists and turns. But they've done it. I mean, this is the Sunday that this game was scheduled to be played on. And by all indications, knock on wood, that's where we're headed. We've had a couple of hiccups along the way. We'll get to here in a moment. But the sheer fact, Chris, that this thing is being played and will actually have, you know, 22,000 people safely 
watching this game in the stadium. And I would venture to guess not just the matchup itself, which is a fantastic one, but the fact that a lot of people are quarantining still. A lot of people are not probably having as many big Super Bowl parties. I got to imagine this would be, if not the one of the highest, if not the highest rated Super Bowl uh, viewership wise, at least top three. That that's kind of my expectations for this Sunday. Yeah, just given the the, the technological um, era we live in right now and what we've gone to, you're, I think you're right. Um, let's also not forget that we have last year's Super Bowl champion and one of you know a fan favorite in Mahomes, and then you got yeah. the greatest of all time in Tom Brady trying to keep adding to his record. So. Um, it's amazing that the NFL got to this point and it's amazing what they will do when money is such a big factor, right? Now this is a billion multi-billion dollar industry and they took every single precaution possible. They, it was, it's, it's unbelievable that their, their infection rate is so it's like 0.8%, right? And, and you, you look at what technology and what he, holding people accountable to testing and, and distancing and stuff or whatever they did, it worked. And it's all because they got to get to this game because that's how they make their love. Yeah. So, so the NFL yeah, is I mean, a, it's crazy standard. It's absolutely crazy. And I think, you know, kind of to your point, once this game gets kicked off and we probably won't notice the difference of, you know, what surrounds the, the game itself and, you know, the, the, your typical crowd involvement and, and everything with that. I think it's, it, when we kick it off, I always mentioned this to somebody, uh, Zubin Mahente with ESPN radio earlier. And I said, it, you almost feel like there's going to be a sense of celebration, like more so than what you typically would experience on Super Bowl Sunday, because somehow, some way we got here somehow, some way. And we talked about this a couple pods ago that you look at the two teams that are, that are standing. A lot of people had their eye on these two teams at the beginning of the year. As soon as Tom Brady went into a Tampa Bay uniform, People said Tampa Bay is now not only a playoff contender and should be in the playoffs, but they are a Super Bowl contender. And we already knew about the Chiefs. So not only are we seeing this thing played on time, not only did we get through the season and do a pretty damn good job considering, but I think we got two of the best teams. And so, you know, tell me what really went wrong with this season and what is is so far off on what was a crazy 2020 this seems to be a little bit more normal as far as what we're going to be seeing on Sunday. I think it, I think you're exactly right. Um, these two teams are by far the two best teams right now. I think it, the, the Chiefs kind of stood out all year in the AFC, really. That really, they, they only, they never lost to an, only lost one game to an opponent they tried to beat, right? They lost to the Raiders early. They lost to the Chargers at the end, but with their backups, obviously. And, um, I would, you know, we're going to get into the exact matchup. But this is a fascinating game, really, because Tampa really came on. And it was kind of like the loss to the Chiefs was their turnaround, right? I went back and watched every snap of that game. And I have some great breakdowns of what happened during the game and why the Chiefs really dominated them and maybe how Tampa has the ability to even that out. We'll get into those matchups, especially when we have Dave and Kenny around. But these two teams, since they played, are by far the best teams. You know, I think Tampa continually ascended towards becoming the best team in the NFC, knocking off some of the best teams. And I think uh, Kansas City kind of took a couple of hits there for a while, but they, they've come back stronger. They're, they are by far on paper the best team in the league. And uh, now if they win this game, um, that, that needs to be decided yet. But they, they are just – though they are the two best teams at this point. And to, to see Tom Brady come in, I'll have to give him a ton of credit because I didn't – for think first of all that he was going to physically be this dominate this late in the season right I mean him and I are the same age right same rookie year and I'm sitting here selling real estate auctioning stuff he's out there playing football still right um then but but he really came through and in the last couple years he just hasn't been his best late in the year but there's something about going to Florida I don't know you know he looks great he's playing great he's healthy um it's unbelievable to see him back in this game at 43 years old, the first year on a new team when you don't have what I consider to be Tom Brady's greatest strength, which is his leadership ability. He lost a lot of that from the offseason. He didn't get the back in the huddle and um, 
get the reps, but he still made a back here. It's amazing. I mean, that's why that's why he is the greatest of all time. I mean, yeah. really, there's no doubt more. Just getting to this game with what he did this year at 43, it's unbelievable. As uh, Chris mentioned, we are going to be talking to Dave Tollison, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ with the New York Giants, Kenny Anatolu, former uh, Minnesota Viking in a little bit. But, you know, the, the COVID – related issues with this one is bizarre and I feel like it's fitting because we have so many weird stories that have taken place when it involves this season and COVID and everything. Uh, Daniel Kilgore found himself on the COVID reserve list and also um, Demarcus Robinson and the story was they were uh, in close contact with the team barber. And they had 20 guys that were scheduled to get a haircut, including Patrick Mahomes. And in the middle of Kilgore's haircut, the barber is informed that he has tested positive and they, they just yank him out of there. And Chris, I, I hope someday we get to see some video evidence of what happened. I, I just get the idea of a president or some type of politician getting whisked away because of a security threat by like secret service. Like I just get the feeling like this barber was probably treated like uh, an endangered president or politician and they like whisked them away. And then they got the other guys that were in close contact going the opposite way, like a vice president. And they had, you know, they had to basically like thwart a security risk or something like, I, I, I mean, this is just so bizarre. Now the good news for Kilgore and Robinson is they can still play on Sunday. They're missing practice time. But you, you figure at this point of the year, Hayes in the barn, you don't need all that much. You can still communicate via Zoom. But just a bizarre set of circumstances. And and hopefully that's that's it. Hopefully everybody has been isolated enough to where nothing's really happening and we have no more names pop up on the COVID reserve list. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Do you see Kilgore posted a, a picture of him? Right. On Twitter. Yeah. That his head was half cut, and that's a joke. And you're already in contact, so he finishes haircut. But I think they took everyone else out of there and got them the heck out of Dodge. Um, and it's just a, a fitting into the season that just just happened like this. It's just I don't know why. It's just it's it's just like this, and the COVID hit. And I really hope those guys get a play because I'd, I'd love to see both teams at least at its full strength as possible um, without the, the close contacts and stuff like that. I think my my photo is off right now, but hopefully you can still hear me. I'm yeah. having some having some camera issues. I don't know what happened, but uh, we'll hopefully get that figured out. You know, if we do kind of look at the the other part of this game, and we're again we're going to get into more of the matchup details when we bring the guys in. Uh, there is one thing that I also kind of find to be really interesting about this particular Super Bowl. The, the quarterbacks is one thing, but when you do kind of look at where these these coaches have been too. I mean, these are both offensive-minded coaches. These are highly respected coaches that come into this matchup. And, you know, guys that if you asked anybody about Bruce Arians, if you asked anybody about Andy Reid, I don't think one person is going to have one bad thing to say about these guys. And they're almost kind of cut from the same cloth. You know, sometimes you get that that offense versus defensive mind, or, you know, you get two young offensive coaches, up-and-comer type guys, you know, we're seeing two very similar offensive minded guys that feel like they've been able to sort of adjust uh, as the sport has evolved offensively. And I, I think you do look at two guys that given their age, you would think, boy, it'd be very easy for them to sort of, you know, not adjust, not adapt and stick to what has worked for them back in, you know, the 1990s or early 2000s. But, you know, these are two offensive minded guys that as this sport has evolved, they've continued to evolve. And it's no wonder they're leading their teams to, to this this game. Well, yeah, it's a, it's this is going to be a great chess match. I think before we let bring those other guys on here in just a minute, I'm going to give you a quick recap of the first game. So I took extensive notes on it. Then we'll bring them in um, later. But I actually look at this thing as like, you know, you got Andy Reid and Biennemi versus Todd Bowles over there at, at Tampa, right? And, and Todd Bowles has been, he's been around for a long time. Does done great, does some amazing things. And then you got Spagnolo versus Bruce Arians. And yep. those, they're all some of the best at their position, right? We look to the offensive side, but quite honestly, these two defenses, I think is where this game's going to be decided. You know, I, I went back and watched this because I know we're going to bring them on just a second. So let's quick recap, because then we'll ask them about coming into this game. But I was so interested. I watched every play of this game. I watched, I went back and watched the coaches film. I watched the all 22 in the end zone. And it was amazing to me how much Kansas city kind of dominated this game. I mean, they came out 
And and everyone thinks like um, that Tyreek Hill just just was like a world beater. You know, Tampa got super aggressive. They were playing a single high safety, either running cover three or cover one with man across the board. And it was Mahomes and Andy Reid's game plan that just, they had it figured out. They knew everything that they were doing. You know, Todd Bowles hardly blitzed the entire game. And the Chiefs just kind of had their way with them. But then you look at the defense, they really frustrated Tom Brady. They, they, they took him out of his element. They didn't let him convert on third downs. They did a lot of stuff. And again, we'll get into how these guys are going to match up, but the Chiefs really dominated so much. They went up 17 nothing. It's the second quarter. Um, Shaq Barrett got, goes out. I think he got a little dinged up. He comes back in this game. The Chiefs are driving again, and he gets a, a strip sack. It wasn't even a strip. It was like a, a whack. He just hit Mahomes so hard he dropped the ball, turned the ball over the 10-yard line. Um, and then they kind of they didn't score there, but they kind of stopped, put the Chiefs in their place. They started kind of making a comeback. And what they did is they they, they became ultra conservative on defense. They put a, a cover two shell behind it, and they said Tyreek Hill's not going to be this deep. Well, so then Travis Kelsey starts starts coming out and doing really well. And, and everyone talks about Levante David and, and Devin White as far as how great athletes they are. They were not a matchup for Travis Kelsey in the middle. And I think you're going to see a lot of that coming out of this game too. Now, the second half, they kind of came back. They played conservative. And Tom Brady started shipping away, started shipping away. And the Chiefs' defense was super aggressive. They were sending tons of blitzes. They, they really sent, sent Daniel Sorensen a lot in this game. Well, the second half, they started figuring it out and they realized we're not going to, we're not going to be able to understand where it's coming from because it, because it, because the Chiefs disguised their blitzes so well. So all, all Tampa did was just leaked a tight end out. If they brought a blitz, they just leaked Cameron Braid out and just dumped the ball off to him. And they had several good drives, kind of got themselves at least respectably back into the game. It was never really um, a threat to come back, but, you know, it should be interesting as we go forward and look at these matchups where they're going to play out because they, the Tampa started to figure some stuff out in, at the end of that game, but the chiefs were dominant the rest of the game. So this matchup is going to be fascinating to watch these, these father time and the, in young Mahomes, we got guys hurt. We got guys back. It's going to be really good. I, I can't wait to hear um, what these other guys have to say too, because I think there's going to be a lot of opinions on, on this thing. Yeah. Yeah, no question. And speaking of which, when we come back, we're going to talk with uh, Dave Tolleson, who played for the New York Giants, won two Super Bowls there, and Kenny Anatolu, former Minnesota Viking. All will be joining us here in just a moment. All right, we'll be back in just a second. All right, so here we go with the Super Bowl roundtable portion of the podcast. This is so weird because usually we're all gathered around at a table. We've got a couple beers. We're talking about the game on Sunday. But uh, welcome to 2020-2021 where everything's done virtually. So as you probably know these guys, uh, we'll introduce them anyway. we got Kenny Anatolu, former Minnesota Viking. And then, of course, two-time Super Bowl champion Dave Tollison, the New York Giants. So... Guys, welcome to the pod. It's great to see you. I've, I, I would have introduced Chris Bober, but, you know, we've been doing this all season, so everybody knows who Bober is. But uh, it's great to see you guys. How we doing? Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. Hall of Famer? I guess. I guess. They, they both <laughs> told me officially that, that I made the Nebraska Hall of Fame, but it was in the paper, so it has to be true. You guys nice. know how he You know how he found out, right? Uh-uh. I, I, te- I texted him. I texted him and congratulated him. Really? He congratulated me. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, you got the, you got the news release. So, you know, because I, I guess because I'm not one of the Huskers, I didn't get the official. I mean, I, I still haven't I'm gotten a phone call. So, <laughs> no phone call, awesome. no nothing, huh? I'm still representing UNO though. So there you go. I thought Kenny would show up in like some type of like cool sports coat or something and deliver him the news and nothing like Letter that. Letter jacket. Yeah. <laughs> are you in the Hall of Fame anywhere, Kenny? Uh, in a few places. No. Where? Nowhere. <laughs> oh, it just means you're you got to get older. Then you'll get into some. What there you? you go. Well, guys, uh, we're going to talk. We'll talk the Super Bowl. And, you know, we could, we could still text with each other, too, during the thing. I know that was always a fun thing, too, just, you know, throughout the, the Super Bowl roundtable. But, uh, Dave, first of all, I, I want to bring up something. I, I was talking to you. You might know this guy, Alan Hahn. Uh, from Barton Hahn. He's a New York, uh, New York radio host, been out there for a long time. Uh, we had him on the show earlier this week and he had, he and I were talking about the, 
the quarterback storyline, which is obviously a big deal. But I brought up your boy, JPP. The fact that he has been such a huge part of this defense, the fact that that guy is even playing football, let alone at a high level, this is, I think, and we, and Alan Hahn agreed, and, and any time a New York sports media type agrees with me, I'll take that uh, every day, thinks that that is a great story. The fact that JPP is a big part of this defense that really could be the difference in the game on Sunday. Yeah, no question, man. And, and it's funny because obviously I'm in a group text string with all the guys from New York, and it's so fun us kind of being fanboys for JPP. <laughs> Um, it's, you know, I, Kenny knows, I've told him a ton about JVP when we talk all the time, but an exceptional human being, um, that got an injury that would have ended most 99% of people's careers. And he literally took it just like as a bump in the road. Um, as far as, as his performance on the field, it's been incredible. It's at the level it was, uh, you know, really when we played with him in 2011, which he carried that defense. So it's funny too, that he's on Tom's team now, right? Yeah. Um, there's all these, uh, there's, there's all these stories with the Super Bowl, and, and of course we would have them in the year that we can't all be together to, <laughs> to talk about him. Right. I mean, it's an incredible storyline for the whole, the whole game. Kenny, the, the defense in both, uh, you know, the chiefs and the Buccaneers too, when we look at what they have, meant to both of these teams getting to this point you know do you look at Tampa Bay's defense and say okay that's that's the group that I think is a little bit more sound that's the group that if it does come down to the better defense that's where maybe we give Tampa Bay the edge I mean you know like Dave says it starts up front so you look at Tampa Bay's front line I mean they're unbelievable then you got Levante David and uh uh what's 45's name uh, Devin White Devin White you have him, the linebackers in the middle so Gosh, they're, they're tough. Funny story about uh, funny story about uh, Shaquille Barrett. Uh, when he so when I got out of the league, I sent him a message on Facebook and I told him uh, to just hey, focus, man, focus on special teams, running down on kickoff and doing your thing. You're gonna make the team off special teams. And now this guy has like more sacks than I do have career tackles. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, not really. But maybe. I mean, it's close, bro. It's unbelievable. But yeah, man, it starts at the front. On the front, you yeah. know, JPP getting uh, pass pressure, uh, Shaquille Barrett getting in there, Ndamukong Sue. So it's all about the D line. I think they have the edge over Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have Jones in the middle, and I think he'll definitely get pressure up the middle. But overall, man, once if that D line can get pressure, like I think they can, then I think Kansas City's going to have a rough, rough day. And the funny thing is, they got after them the first game. They yeah. hit the homes a lot. And it's kind of funny. Everyone's thinking that Eric Fisher going down was a big deal. Eric Fisher got <laughs> a lot that game. He really yeah. did. I went back and watched the film. And I had to kind of cringe because he had a bad, both JPP and Shaq Barrett really got to him. I mean, they did. They were hitting him, Mahomes a lot. And the, the kind of crazy thing is, is it still didn't matter because the Chiefs still ran with it. You know, just they, right. can, they can overcome a lot of that. And I think it's going to be an issue. It definitely will be an issue in this game. But we just can't pretend that they didn't have a really good game last time. I mean, yeah. Shaq Barrett had that strip sack at the 10-yard line. That was yeah. huge. They would have went up like 24 to nothing. Mm -hmm. if, he, if they wouldn't have uh, if he would have made that play I mean they, they played amazing last time and they, they will probably get to him again this game they're, they're going to get to him it's going to be a difference it's just I don't know how big of a difference it's going to be but they're going to get to him because because that's just what they do Dave the the stories that that you always tell me about with your Super Bowl experience against Tom Brady Obviously, defending Patrick Mahomes is completely different, you know, and, and just like what Chris brought up, this defense played lights out and yet it still wasn't good enough. Go back to last year's Super Bowl. The Niners defense played lights out. I mean, they played really good football there in the first three and a half quarters. Yet, as long as Mahomes is within arm's range he's going to be able to make plays. So as a defensive lineman, I mean, is that, does that get dejecting? I, I don't even know. Can you compare Mahomes to anybody that you faced? And at some point during the game, are you like, I don't know what else we can do. What more can we do? 
So Patrick really reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers playing against mm-hmm. him, and I'm sure Kenny would say the same thing. Yeah, the yeah. big difference um, between a guy like Patrick and Aaron, and then you have Tom, um, it is Patrick and Aaron can throw off any any base. They don't need their feet set, and yeah. they can, they have any arm angle. I mean, they can do a lot of different things from different positions. Tom's really a timing guy, <clears throat> right? So when I look back on how we played against Aaron Rodgers. We played against him in a divisional game in 2011. And to be honest with you, as kind of dumb and stupid as it sounds, you got to get a little lucky yeah. that he misses some guys. Yes. Uh, you, you just have to kind of get the pressure that you can on him. Yeah. And hopefully get him a little frustrated because he's going to make the throws. I mean, that I, I just playing against Aaron and again me thinking Patrick is basically Aaron Rodgers on steroids with his mobility right. and the ability to throw the ball anywhere on the field you, you again you bat some balls down early you know uh, uh try to get some hits on him if you can but don't force anything I was thinking about that when you guys were talking about the defensive line and the beauty of it with the with the Tampa Bay Bucks is all those guys kind of complement each other they're right. not just all edge rushers Shaq and JBP are quite a bit different in how they approach their pass rushing game. And then you have Sue, the big guy at the middle, pushing. So that's going to help. They're not just running upfield. So um, what is what they used to say? Uh, you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them or something like that. Yeah. that that's kind of what you're dealing with with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Kenny, The if it's, if it's not Patrick Mahomes, it's – especially guy in a position that you played linebacker, having a matchup every now and then with a tight end. You've got Kelsey, but then when you think of the secondary, the speed of Tyreek Hill, that combination between Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill on, I mean, like death by a thousand cuts. Like, again, right. kind of a similar question I, I asked Dave. As a defender, you can do only so much, but you know at some point they're going to get you. So, I mean, what is the mindset in trying to defend that? I think it's getting that four-man pressure, not having to blitz any extra defensive backs. So you have four-man pressure and seven deep and seven guys that can just play in coverage. Levante, David, I I mean, I think those guys are excellent cover guys. So it's all about that four-man pressure. If you can get those four guys and only those four guys getting a little pressure, then you have seven guys back. And you have um, Spag. I mean, Spag's great. Dave knows this at, at mixing it up. He's played in the big games. So just mixing it up, you know, changing things up and just just not getting beat deep, deeper than the deepest. And that's hard when you have, you know, Cheetah on, others, on the other side of the field. So, Chris, we haven't spent a lot of time in the last probably couple of weeks on this, too. The offensive line matchup. And you mentioned Fisher's out. The Chiefs have kind of rolled with this all the way from the beginning of the season to where they are now, where they've been able to sort of adjust on the fly. This is where I go back to the extra time of preparation and a very good offensive minded coach in Andy Reid, but also a guy that seems to always have an answer personnel wise because of the experience, because he understands, you know, as Dave kind of mentioned, you gotta be kind of lucky in this game too. But I mean, that goes with injuries too. So, I mean, is there a concern on your part about, what the Chiefs now lose with Fisher. And when you also look at Tampa Bay's offensive line too, this was a group that coming into the year, they knew, okay, they got Brady, but they got to protect him. They got Tristan Wurst from Iowa. He's a pretty good player. Uh, you know, what What do you kind of see the edge in, in that battle? Well, you know, to start off with Tampa's offensive line, they, they're very solid. They've kept Tom Brady clean. Um, last game, the Chiefs brought a ton of pressure and the guys they were getting there were the extra guys. Right. And they were getting there so fast. They frustrated Brady to try to throw sooner than he wasn't seeing where the blitz was coming from. Now on the opposite side, the first time they played Tampa got really aggressive early in the game, but it wasn't with blitzes. It was with their man coverage and trying to jump guys. They've hardly blitzed at all. And it's like a double-edged sword. What do you do? Do you sit back and play coverage and try not to get bid deep? Or do you come after Mahomes? Cause Mahomes is like, one of the best in the league when he faces pressure, right? And, and, and on the opposite side, Brady, if he gets pressure, Brady's QBR goes way down. And Dave knows this. You guys, to beat Brady, you got to get into him. You got to hit him. And he's courageous, don't get me wrong. But that pressure will make him, you know, la- the last last week he threw, what, three interceptions, two, three interceptions. He, he threw two against the Chiefs. Um, 
I'm excited to see how these defense defensive coordinators match up with these two very prolific offenses. I, I think the chiefs are just going to send everyone Spags is going to, and they disguise it, man. Um, Tyron Matthew will be up at the line. And he'll kill the guy. Robert That's position. the guy, Chris, that, that to me, Nick, Chris, like the Tampa defense chiefs offense right. is you, you, you know what they got to do. What's interesting to me is Spags and Brady. Mm, yeah. Having played against each other before, there's this there's going to be a chess match you know this chris kenny like they're out there playing chess not checkers and the guy i want to keep an eye on is tyrone matthew right oh they're they're using him like crazy and they've they've evolved on defense right they they, they've they've played a lot of cover too they play a lot of man but then tyrone matthew is like a wild card like he'll be up in the a gap and he'll run back and be the middle defender on cover two right he's put that palomalu role yeah, and, and, and I think the first matchup when I watched it, as a quarterback, you don't know how to how to decipher that. And I don't think it's Tom Brady that doesn't get it. It's it's his receivers around him. They haven't been with him long enough to know how to adjust. That's why I think when you saw success against the Chiefs in their first matchup, it was with him and Gronkowski who have played yeah. together. They know how to get between those seams. They know exactly where to be. And not having that offseason and, and a pressure package like Spags is going to throw at you, I mean – it's going to be tough. That's why I think Tampa, if they want to go out and have some success, they got to hit some, they got to hit them deep a couple times. They missed several of those to get the first time. If they can just make a play down the field, I think that kind of changes the attitude because first matchup chiefs didn't even care. They're just sending everyone and they kept, they just didn't beat them. They didn't, they didn't find a way to make them pay for sending too many guys. Um, I'm pretty sure they'll have something for it, but so will Spags. So that, that that's the matchup. So much, that puts so much pressure on an offense when you're playing against an offense like the Chiefs. Right. You, because it happens so quick. And, and, and say you get a three and out, you're like, we got to get points. You know, I think like every game this year, there's been like a 21-point run damn near by the Chiefs at some yeah. point. Yeah. Where you're like, they just scored 21 points in like eight minutes. Like what just happened? Right. So. Yeah. There's a crazy stat I came across for the Bucks offense. Um, so out of their 10 offensive touchdown drives in the playoffs, zero of them have been for 75 yards or more. So it's, I think it's pretty critical for Kansas city to make sure you start Tampa Bay back because in the red zone, I think, Tom Brady's like 36 touchdowns, zero interceptions all season. So long, long drives, Kansas City Chiefs, and you'll have a good chance of, you know, getting them off the field. But if you give them a short field, kind of like, you know, um, the Saints and the Packers did, I think they'll be in for a rough one. So I thought that was crazy. Zero, yeah. zero touchdowns of 75 and yards. Tampa balls out in the red zone. They, yeah. they held the Chiefs 0 for 3 last time in the red yeah. zone. So yeah. they, they play good red zone defense. They yeah. they got some they they got a chance. It's just they got I think they got to play um keep the Chiefs playing behind the sticks, right? Okay. Shut them down on first and second down, maybe pressure them and the Chiefs could convert third and long, but at least maybe you give your defenders a chance to get to the quarterback because they need to wait for those plays to develop. You know, that's the Chiefs are making my hands sweat talking about their offense, man. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> so like, fast. What do you, what do you, I mean, obviously, like, how, what do you, I remember playing against um, the, in 07 against the Patriots twice with Randy Moss. And, and he was probably as fast as Tyreek, but a lot different type of runner, mm-hmm. right? A long strider. And so you kind of knew, let's always keep someone over the top, which we did that and he, they still got, beat. that's another story. But Tyreek, like, you could pitch the ball to him right i mean it's such a difficult matchup and i think you hit the nail on the head kenny those two inside guys they gotta have a big game they really gotta protect the middle of that field where kelsey really takes advantage because if they don't it's it's gonna be a a beast for the, the corners and safeties man yeah Guys, the offensive matchup, again, going back to something, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, we talk quarterbacks, we talk about the skilled position guys, which, look, quite frankly, both the, the Buccaneers, and I was listening to Ryan Clark talk about this earlier this week, that he feels Tampa Bay 
if you just look at the roster from top to bottom, he likes the Tampa Bay roster better than the Kansas City Chiefs. We know there are skill on both sides. I mean, is it crazy to think that this game does come down to maybe even, I know this sounds like totally 1980s football talk, but who runs the football better? I mean, as we talk about trying to keep the Kansas City offense off the field, you talk about having long distance. Kenny brings up, you know, trying to make uh, Tampa Bay go the length of the field. If Tampa is able to grind, grind up some clock and, you know, get themselves in third and favorable, I mean, is do they have the running game that could possibly sort of be that difference on, you know, two different offenses that have a lot that they can throw at you? I think Tampa has to run the football, you know, and you've seen here's, here's why they got to run the football. Number one, to keep the defense honest, but because Tom Brady is such a good play action quarterback, right? If you look at Mahomes, Mahomes is different. Mahomes makes plays. He's going to run around. He's going to make big throws. Tom, Tom Brady needs to win with his mind and with his eyes. He needs to manipulate the defense. And he does that by really good play fakes to get the linebackers peeking in the backfield just a little bit. And then that's enough of a, a window for him to get completions, right? He's not, he's not, he won't be successful if he has to sit back and try to keep it downfield. But as long as they keep up this perception of running the football, well, then the defense has to honor that. And that's to Tom Brady's advantage. That's, that's why, that's why they run the football. They don't do it because they need to, they do it because they need Tom Brady to get comfortable in a play action setting. And that really helps them out. I don't think either of these teams is going to get a lot of running yards, but they're going to run the football to set up the pass game. And that's what I was just looking at on my phone. We were talking last running back to rush for over a hundred yards was in, in 2014. It was Marshawn Lynch. Or no, Williams last year had over 100, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah, okay, but prior to that. And then prior to Marshawn, it was – this is where it gets funny. Was uh, Dominic Rhodes. Was Dominic Rhodes. The Colts? Yeah. Oh, against the Bears. Oh, my yeah. God. But that that speaks exactly to the point that you said, Chris. It, it, you're not looking Running for yards. Yeah. You're looking to keep the defense honest. Right. right. And and, and so if, if you can do that, it's only going to help both offenses. Listen, really what it comes down to in my mind, why it doesn't matter. Both these quarterbacks are making a crap ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> so they better win you the damn game. I mean, yeah, really, right? I think about the economics of it. They didn't get paid five hundred million dollars to hand it to Edwards Leclerc. Right. <laughs> 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 you know, I, the other thing that Tampa does really well, and it, it, it's all Tom Brady and what he does, is they, they run the ball in the red zone. And I think that's the, to the detriment of the Chiefs. They're not a great red zone team because they don't run the ball that well. But Tampa right. will run the ball in the red zone. That's a big, big down for them. Um, the last thing to throw in there about Tampa's offense that really impresses me is Tom Brady's ability to win on third down. You know, last week he threw, I think, nine passes of 12 yards or more, and seven of them are on third down. Right, that he's killed the pack. Very good at completing yeah. down, and that's going to be something that are going to probably try to send pressure. And if they want to be in this game, they got to win some on third down, and they got to win one-to-one matchups with pressure in their face. And Brady, he'll throw it to you. You just got to catch it. You know, he'll <laughs> yeah. throw it to you. It's like it's crazy saying that because that's like a, a Favre quote. Like Favre's going to throw it to you, so catch it. But Brady, <laughs> he'll throw it to you, man. He's been. He has. A, you know, it's what is it? No risk it, no biscuit. Yep. The that's the Arians offense too. Yeah, it's like throw it up. So mm-hmm. I, I think we saw with uh, the, the Packers, gosh, those guys, that first half, they just, I don't know what was going on. Maybe they were tight. They were in position. They weren't making plays. They were blowing coverages. And I don't I don't see that with Kansas City. So, you know, Brady's going to give you opportunity. You know? Let me ask you. You just got to capitalize on it. Kenny and, and Chris and even you, Nick, like, Remember how the Colts were so good on offense that yeah. their defense could kind of yeah. do their thing? Like, it put so much pressure on the other. Do you think a little bit of that is with the Chiefs also? Yeah. I mean, Spags is doing a great job, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's pretty nice having the offense you have when you're that, that right? I mean, you can let loose a little bit. Yeah. I would call it a complimentary defense, right? And you look at what the Chiefs did when they had Bob Sutton as their D coordinator. You know, when Andy Reid first got there, the Chiefs were 
balling out on defense. Yep. I mean, they were studs. Yep. So they get Patrick Mahomes, they get Alex Smith, Andy Reid's offense comes in there, and they realize it doesn't do us any good to have a really stout defense. We need a defense that can match our aggression and can and can win when we have a lead, right? The Chiefs, when they have a lead and when they can get after you because they don't, they're not scared of getting beat, they are very dangerous. And that's that's what's hard is is with that kind of confidence – that defense is just playing great. And, and Tampa's defense, I mean, they're, they're, they're probably better up front. Yeah. They stuff the run. I think yeah. they're weaker on the back end because the Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs are playing pretty darn good. But it, it's all a function of this confidence they have because they, they – whatever. Mahomes is going to score 30, 35 points. So let's just get after them and let's make let's, – let's cause havoc and take it over. And they, they have – they transform their defense to to be a complementary defense to a very high paced, um, high attack offense. I I think that's exactly what they wanted to do. Reminds Guys, me, reminds me of Eli when I played with him. This is going to sound like a crazy question, but and Chris, I think we talked about this when the Saints played the Chiefs. Did Kansas City kind of catch a break getting Tampa Bay's defense versus New Orleans defense? I don't know. Because New Orleans defense, know. especially in the secondary, I feel like you know what's funny is they do a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, Dennis Allen coached me in Oakland my last year, and it's a lot of that zone kind of it looks like a four-three, but it's kind of a three-four three, guys four. dropping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they obviously have some great pass rushers. Um I don't know, man. It, it, it's so hard to say because the hot hand is Tampa's defense right now. I mean, the right. way they got exactly after, the way they got after Aaron two weeks ago. I mean, this is a bad look for Aaron, man. I mean, they made him look pretty pedestrian. And it's um, a really good offensive line. They didn't have their left tackle, but that's still one of the better offensive lines to, yep. to, to pass protect. You know, the Chiefs' the Chiefs O-line is set up because they, they don't make them sit back and have to pass protect the whole time. They'll run jet sweeps and screens and draws. And, you know, it's a very O-line friendly offense. Plus, Mahomes, if you're attached to your guy, he doesn't give up. He doesn't get sacked. You know what I mean? But they did that against a good, good, good O-line. And that's why I don't think the Chiefs are going to – you're not going to see them taking huge long dropbacks and trying to heave it down the field, especially in the beginning. They're going to have to get creative, and they cannot let those guys take over the game. And I would say this, even with the way uh, they played, how great they did play, that, uh, I mean, the Packers were still – in and at the end, they still had an opportunity to win that game. I mean, uh, uh, Aaron didn't play too well, and he still had what three forty-three for three touchdowns, and really, uh, maybe a in within running distance of a touchdown to probably close the game. So that says a lot for Kansas City. Like, you can get their best and still put up a lot of yards on them, and still have an opportunity to win. As great as they are playing Tampa Bay on defense. Guys, I have a feeling where you're going to go with your predictions, and we'll do that here in a moment. But I've been hearing this narrative, and I don't know if I agree with it, but I want to see what you guys think. This whole narrative that no matter what Super Bowl Patrick Mahomes plays in, he has to win this one to cement his legacy because he's going up against Tom Brady. I, for for one, do not buy that because I think, first of all, what he did last year, and I don't think this is the only time we're going to see him um, in another Super Bowl. I feel like he's going to have opportunities to continue to define his legacy as one of the great quarterbacks. I don't know if, say, he wins two more, but not this one, that we're going to look back and be like, yeah, but he did not beat Tom Brady in that second Super Bowl. I have a tough time believing that, but you guys, you played the game. You know how those conversations go. Do you think this would be the one that people would hold against Patrick Mahomes if he doesn't win? Not at all for me. I mean, <laughs> look at all the quarterbacks that only have one Super Bowl. Far, right, Aaron Rodgers, you just mentioned. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he goes on to win multiple Super Bowls and uh, Eli has 70,000 yards. <laughs> Eli, how, many Eli, Eli has, how many does Eli have? Eli has two. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, right? Hall of Famer. You're right, though, Kale. You're, you're right. I mean, yeah. Patrick Mahomes is extremely gifted. Is yeah. gifted, you know. Really, Aaron Rodgers, you know. I think for our money, Kenny was probably one of the most gifted guys we ever played. Oh with. yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then this guy, Patrick Mahomes, comes along and does everything Aaron does, but better. But better. But better. And 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 so he's just so young right now. Um, he's going to be in more Super Bowls. I don't think this one matters. Um, it matters more to Tom than it matters to, to Patrick. It does. I, I, I think um, if he can get this last one, whether it is the last one or not, to beat kind yeah, of – I don't say that. I think that's a much bigger deal than than Patrick losing to him. Yeah, and I, I think that um, the hardest part about like you know you want to see him beat Tom Brady if, if you're concerned about his legacy. I, I think that that's part of it, but he's got a lot more years to play. The, the biggest thing for me is like going to two Super Bowls in a row, you know, being in three championship games in a row that just doesn't continue, right? There's going to be a blip in the radar at some point where there's going to be yes. some down years and maybe not him being down, but the chiefs are like in, they're like the perfect team right now, right? right? They have the best quarterback. They have the most creative coach. They have the most aggressive defense. And there's definitely holes on that team that can be exposed. If they just lose one or two really good players, right? right. If they lose Kelsey or Tyree kill for a season, all of a sudden their offense is, is way more one dimensional. And all of a sudden that O-line, which they don't spend much money on because they got to get their quarterback a half a billion dollars. That becomes a bigger deal. Right. Um, but they are in a time period where they have it all. So I think they want to maximize on that. That's the point more than anything. Cause they're going to have, he's a, Mahomes is not going to be in the Super Bowl every year. If he plays 10, 15 years, I doubt he gets there as many times as, as, as Brady does. Cause he's yeah, not going to be in a system that's sustainable for 20 years. You know, right. this, this run's going to come to an end at some point soon, and they're going to have to rebuild around a, a, a huge contracted quarterback. And they're going to – who knows how long Andy Reid's there. I just think that maximizing the, the ability they have right now is important, but he's going to have more chances, but not as – I don't know if they're going to be as good as they are right now. They're, they're so good. That's it's, what makes Tom Brady's legacy so incredible is we're talking about, you know, adversity – that a quarterback on any team, Aaron Rodgers, we've seen him carry the Packers, maybe not to a Super Bowl. They had a great defense that year, but really carrying him through a season. Tom Brady obviously has done more with less mm-hmm. than many other quarterbacks. And, and we haven't, we're going to have to see that from Patrick, right? We're going to have to see, you know, Tyreek get hurt. Um, Kelsey gone for a season. What really find out everything this is they're they're riding the gravy train right now just like chris said they really are i mean and this doesn't happen in this right. current state of the nfl with salary cap and whatnot so uh it, it, his legacy is 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 he's got to wait till he's at least 40 three years younger than tom oh tommy uh, man, you, guys, you guys are younger and you're done playing tom and i had this brady and i had the same rookie year that tells you how old he is <laughs> oh seriously <laughs> That's what? crazy that he's still playing. We're the same age. Isn't that nuts? Are you really? No. <laughs> just, just a, I tell you what, we got to go live in Florida, man. Tom Brady looks like he's 20 years younger. Yeah. He's 10. He's just chilling out. He's played longer than our three careers combined. How about yep. that? Yep. <laughs> does, he, does he sleep in the, the hyperbolic chamber like LeBron? Do we know? I think he's sleeping in a coffin like that. He just doesn't eat anything about like vitamins. He's made a little bit more money than us three combined, too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that that number's bigger. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, We will do what we typically do uh, to close this thing out. We'll get predictions to go around the horn. I think I know where you guys are all going here. And we might be, for the first time ever, all on the same page. But I might be wrong. Uh, Bober, let's start with you. How do you see it? All right, man. Well, of course, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my Chiefs, man. I'm hoping to get a ring. Bring it out, man. But um, here's what I'll, I'll say this way I think Tampa could win this game, but for them to win, they need to get probably plus three in the turnover margin, right? They need to, they need some things to go wrong for Kansas City. They have, that's their path to win. I think the Chiefs. I think it turns out a lot like last year's Super Bowl. I would not be surprised if Tampa comes out to and, and actually has a lead in this game, right? Maybe 10 nothing, 13 nothing. I just don't think that the I think the Chiefs will step on the gas at some point and just kind of run away with it. You know, if I had to guess a score, I'd say like 38-33. You know, win by, you know, not, not close. I think it's outside of a of a field goal, but maybe not quite a touchdown. I, I think that they pull it away. Um 
I, but again, I think it's going to be a good game for a lot of that, a lot of this game. Ken A. One name, Bill Belichick. I just think he's gotten a bad rep this season with what Tom Brady's doing, obviously. And I think Tom Brady's really going to miss him this game. I think we take for granted all the inside, all the nuances of just coaching in the Super Bowl and what he's done to prepare Tom for all these Super Bowl runs. And I think this game's going to show it. So I'm going Kansas City Chiefs 32-26. I like that the Bill Belichick reference there, yeah. too. It's a factor. Hey, hey that, I, I, yeah. I can buy that. Yeah. All right, DT, what's up? Oh, man. Uh, you got your boys is, on one side, Spags on the other side. It, it's 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 colliding. Really it's really difficult, and I'm super excited for the game. Like, there's so many storylines. Like I said earlier, not to mention what we haven't even dived into yet. As far as as some of the racial things that are going along with our country right now, we got four African American coordinators, you know, on both sides of the ball, which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's just awesome. there's a lot coming yeah. in outside of the game, and then you actually dive into the game. You're like wow, this is a pretty good matchup, you know, with their offense, you know, Kansas City's offense, Tampa Bay's defense and vice versa, and and their special teams are both really solid. Um, But I tell you what, man. Can't bet against them, Cam. You can't bet against them, Cam. Can't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. The GOAT gets his seventh ring. Ten, I just, I just love the sound of rings. And I think great. he ends up, if he, when he wins this game, he goes down as one of the greatest American sportsmen ever. I think he already is. Yeah, I mean, he's up there with <laughs> Michael Phelps. Oh, yeah. Jim Thorpe. Yeah. I mean, he, and I know it's a team game and it's difficult, man, but you get seven rings. And to get one is nearly impossible. It's impossible. Uh, it's an a, a yeah. unbelievable accomplishment. What's your score? There goes your um, unanimous. I know. It <laughs> is Tampa Bay 32, Kansas City 28. Ah. They get stopped. So we, got, we got a good one on our hands. They get stopped driving into the end zone by Tampa Bay's <laughs> Red zone defense. Fumble out of the end zone. Can't kick a field goal to win it. The game's over. Go cool. JPP make the stop. Oh yeah. All With right. his one and a half hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh I'm on the Kansas City train on this one. Um again, guys, you know, a lot of the things that that we've talked about, but the thing about Kansas City that I always feel is and this is the the reason I think if you have half a billion dollars to pay a quarterback you do because there is no lead that's ever safe and Patrick Mahomes what he conveys not only with what he does on the field but what he conveys to his own guys that no matter the the hairiest of situations that they're going to figure out a way to win a football game and I just have not seen anybody when Kansas City is completely dialed in anybody to have the knockout punch on them and so until I see somebody be able to deliver that knockout punch on Kansas City in a, in a big game, I just can't, I can't bet, just like Dave can't bet against the GOAT, I can't bet against this Kansas City offense because I feel like it's unstoppable until somebody actually stops them. They're, they're like Drago until Rocky shows up. So I'm rolling. I'm rolling Kansas City. City to go higher. So he sees him, him tackling and sacking the, the That's best. That's true. That's true. It's a little self-motivated, but that's, that's okay. The reverse image of the the junk sack. <laughs> there it is. Yes. <laughs> you can see the smile on his face. You can see David's smile by where he's touching him. Why is NFL stats and info still not credit you a sack for that? It's malarkey. Absolute malarkey. Hey, and real quickly, I want to mention this. So I got Dave and Kenny. Um, I got something arriving to the house uh, here that I need you to sign for uh, our, yeah. our little boy. There Make you sure go. You got, got to get, I got to get a personalized autograph to Reese uh, so he knows that the, the guys, the guys <laughs> actually actually signed it. Great work, great work on that. We can't wait. We cannot wait. That'll kick off a national book tour. 
Yeah, he should. <laughs> Travel around I the just, country. I just ride at Kenny's coattails, man. Uh, stop. Hey, he killed it with that book. It's unbelievable how, I mean, it's really a blessing that, that I have a friend like him that wrote something like that. Man. It's awesome. It, brother. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. Get back to your families. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and I know we will all be talking very soon. Uh, Bye. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good one. Sheep. Bye. Take care, guys. It's not a game. It's a rich team.